a Podcast One production. Hello and welcome to Koshi's Property Ladder, where I share my tips and tricks for getting on the property ladder and climbing it step by step. I'm finance journalist and commentator David Kosh. In this episode, I'm going to cover how you can add value to your current property because the family home is your biggest and most important asset. You might have a rough idea of what the house is worth, but the real test will come when it's time to sell because what someone else is prepared to pay can either make you big money or lead to disappointment and even financial loss. And even if you have no intention of selling, adding value along the way keeps the bank happy because you're helping to appreciate the asset, which is securing their loan. And you can make a difference now so that down the track, when it is time to sell, you could add thousands of dollars to the eventual sale price. Spending as little as $500 could add more than $10,000 to the value. I'm not kidding. You never see a used car for sale that hasn't been washed and polished, the chrome buff, the tyres blackened, the upholstery cleaned, and the window sparkling. Detail is a vital part of selling cars, and so it should be with your house as well. The key to adding value is to view your property through the eyes of a potential buyer because they ultimately set the real value because they're prepared to pay the money. Now, there's a list as long as your arm to spruce up your home to add value inside and out. Improvements, even wholesale renovations, will add to the value of a home. But don't think that because there's a new timber deck out the back, a new kitchen or a swimming pool, that these are the only features that will make the big difference. Now, they may certainly add value, but first, I'm going to cover some of the simpler things to really round the house off and maximise its appeal. The key is the front yard. I've talked to you about this before. I'm going to say it again. First impressions are everything. So the curbside appeal of your home is going to bring buyers through the door. Start at the front fence and work backwards. Gardening and painting are the keys to cheap improvements worth thousands to the value of a house. Home buyers are looking for prospects that are neat, clean and tidy. The lawns are the first thing to look at making sure they're mowed and the edges trimmed, have flowers in bloom, go to the nursery and choose some bloomers, and for four or five bucks, you'll have instant colour. Stay with a limited number of colours, white and say one other like blue or lilac. White will give a cool appearance in summer, but if you're selling a house during winter, you might have to spend a bit more on a winter flowering shrub like an azalea, a magnolia or a camellia, which can cost between 30 and 50 bucks. If the front garden is really out of control, find a local gardener who'll prune it back. Make sure there's a clearly visible letterbox with a number on it and maybe think about giving the house a bit of a name. 
these small things show pride in the home and make it more desirable. Now, traditionally, home buyers are casting a close eye over the kitchen, family room, bathroom, and master bedroom. Creating an atmosphere of light and space is key. So make sure all the blinds are open to let plenty of natural light in. The same goes for the rest of the house. A fresh coat of paint on the walls or the doors can freshen things up big time. Again, stick to neutral colours as this will please the widest possible range of buyers. I know it sounds picky, but remember, you're trying to get top dollar and sell the house, not showing off your own decorating skills. And there are probably quite a few little repairs around the house that have been overlooked. You might have got used to them, but they will stand out to someone else, like cracks in the plaster, which can make the house look run down. Bit of filler and paint will make a massive difference. The same goes for watermarks on the walls or the ceiling, where a previous leak has been fixed, but the telltale signs still remain. Then there are the more obvious things, like tidying up. Channel your inner Marie Kondo and make sure the beds are made, the dishes washed, the toys, the papers, the shoes, the socks are all put away neatly. Bear in mind, all these things are relatively minor details and cheap to fix, but they will take time. It could actually take weeks to get through it all. So be prepared and leave yourself enough time to get it done. And if you're up for doing more drastic home improvements, which will cost a lot more money, here's something to think about. Contact local real estate agencies and get a valuation on your property. This is a free service, so don't fork out for it. Sure, you'll get some sales talk, but at least you'll get an idea of the value of your property. Don't settle on one valuation, get a few and work out an average. Then ask the real estate agent's opinion on where all the faults lie in the property. It may not have a family room, a third bedroom, or an ensuite off the main bedroom. Listen carefully and then weigh up your needs with what will add value to your house. A good renovation company should also raise the issue of overcapitalization. Renovations such as building a family room, a new kitchen, or adding an ensuite can be real value adders. They often add more to the value of the property than their cost because that's what today's buyers are looking for. Swimming pools, for example, on the other hand, could cost a lot more than the value they add to the property. Predicting the value of your property after renovations is a little bit trickier. Find out medium prices in your area for the type of home you'll have after the extensions. You can get this information online through the usual websites, realestate.com.au and domain.com.au. Renovation companies will also be aware of property fluctuations, so don't be afraid to ask them either. Once you've made the decision of what you want to do, then decide how to get your plans into reality. Can you do it yourself, for example? 
or do you need an architect or a builder? As a general guide, builders will only build to plans you supply, while architects will plan and then oversee the building work. Architects are experienced and trained in coordinating project teams, including builders, tradespeople, landscape architects, engineers, quantity surveyors, and interior designers. Their designs consider important things such as site conditions, the sun and the views, so you can get the best design for your budget. They can even save on home energy bills by maximising the house's heating or cooling ability. Architects do cost more, but are not out of most people's reach for big jobs, which are hopefully going to add big value to your biggest financial investment. And as I always say, do your homework. Don't settle on the first renovation company which comes along, particularly if the sales rep is not prepared to examine your property thoroughly and discuss several options. Check they have a current license or a builder's goal card and good credit worthiness. Then check the license or certificates of the subcontractors and the standard of previous jobs through testimonials. Discuss your plans at length with the builder. Their basic interest is in building and often your dream plans are not practical and can only be achieved by some simple design changes. Don't hesitate to ask for details and explanations. So as a rule, try to get at least three written quotes and make sure you're comparing apples with apples. Give each contractor the same information. No matter how big or small the project is, write a brief for it. It doesn't have to be long, just a few dot points or a few pages. Attach it to your design plans. Now you can compare prices and the professionalism of each contractor. When you've decided and have a contract in place, make sure you read it. Understand it from beginning to end and get the advice for a specialist building lawyer. It's important that all parties involved are absolutely clear on their responsibilities. Before signing the contract, make sure you know what the builder can do for you, you've shopped around for a deal that suits your needs and your finances, your builder holds a current licence from the relevant authority and is properly licensed for the work to be done. The builder has private home building insurance to cover any mistakes and incomplete work. You know the total contract price and what factors can affect it. That the contract states when the work will start and when it will finish. Don't pay more than the legally allowable maximum deposit. If the work costs up to $20,000, then the maximum deposit you can be asked to pay is 10% of the cost. If it's more than $20,000, then 5% is the maximum amount in most states. And anything from bad weather to lack of materials can affect your building plans. So it's important the contract safeguards you and your architect or builder from expensive legal wrangling over unforeseen circumstances. In nearly all cases, insurance is taken out by the builder. 
But to protect yourself from accidental added costs, Check the Builder has workers' compensation covering any accident or injury to the Builder. Public liability insurance is also taken out by the Builder and that covers any costs relating to accidents ranging from damage to the next-door neighbour's house to pedestrians falling into holes. Also, protection from the natural and criminal elements is covered by fire, storm and theft insurance, which is also taken out by the builder. You can take out as much insurance as you like, depending on how much money you have to spend, but those three are the most important. And cost overruns are not always the builder's fault, but don't accept it when it's just tacked onto the final bill without your knowledge. And don't pay if a contractor has hiked up the total at the last minute. That's illegal. Permission to take any more expensive options should be sought before amending the bill. According to the government consumer affairs agencies, quotes are binding, so you should note all the terms and conditions of the agreement with the trader. Now, to find out how the tradesperson charges for a quote and to protect yourself, write down a description of the agreed finished product. This reduces the chances of misunderstandings at the end. If a price does rise after the quote, the tradesperson should also ask your permission for the price hike before they start with the job. And if the service is performed at a higher price without your permission, then you actually have no obligation under law to pay the bill. Consumers have many rights in this area, and you can find out more by calling your state government department of consumer affairs. Now, if do-it-yourself is your style, let's talk about that. Doing it yourself is a big responsibility and is not something for busy people, let me tell you. But it is great if you have a really tight budget, a small job, and a bit of time on your hands. If you're a first-time owner-builder, don't overstep the mark by taking on a huge, difficult project. Make sure your plans are realistic. And remember, if it's a big job, you will need to hire some tradespeople, builders, and other service suppliers. For each of these, always shop around and negotiate on price and service. Nothing is set in stone these days, and these businesses will expect you to haggle a bit. If you hope to save money by being an owner-builder, just be careful. Contractors enjoy better rates from their subcontractors and get discounts on materials. Your savings on your fees may therefore be lost on expenses. And whatever you do, don't cut corners. Don't try and mask lingering underlying problems with short-term remedies. Often this will only lead to more expense in the long run and more work to do around the house. For big jobs like a house extension, you'll need to get council approval. A good way to get it quickly is to first gain approval and support from your neighbours. Explain and, if possible, illustrate your plans and then print out letters of approval that they can sign. The more letters of approval, the better. Now, if you know you're not in your forever home and you'll sell much further down the track, 
just don't get lazy. Keep up to date with odd jobs around the house. It'll save you thousands of dollars when it comes time to sell. Now, for most people, their family home is their biggest asset. When it comes time to sell, you want it to go for the maximum possible price. And even when you're not selling, adding value to your biggest asset every year adds to your overall wealth. The trick is to not overspend and overcapitalize. So set a budget and stick to it. Hire smart and make sure you understand the building contract before any work begins. That brings us to the end of my Koshy's Property Ladder series. If you want to learn more, head to the Your Money and Your Life website for a bunch of articles and some more great property tips. That's ymyl.com.au. Thanks for your company and good luck climbing the property ladder. Koshy's Property Ladder was presented by David Kosh and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Melody Ruiz. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Koshy's Property Ladder Podcast.